23, it's time to talk about La Vuelta a España. Let's cue that intro. The big question is this. How do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness, and our longevity? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh, and welcome to the Roadman Podcast. Roadman, welcome back to episode 523. We are less than one week away from the grand part of this year's Vuelta a España, which is taking place in the Netherlands in Utrecht to be specific. So the finishing touches are well underway for the lads at the moment, and they're going to be entering into sort of the taper phase of their training. I often get asked, what is a taper? And a couple of months back, I did put out a specific podcast on tapering. It's like the fastest, best way to get a performance edge legally. So I'm going to leave a link to that old podcast in today's show notes, description, whatever we call that down below, because it's well worth going back and listening to that one. Uh, Before I dive into the substance of today's podcast, let me give a shout out to our Patreon because I haven't done it in a while. There's a group of lads and lasses over on Patreon who have supported this podcast long before we ever got a show sponsor on and they make it possible. Their kindness and their generosity, they buy me the price of a beer once a month to say thanks for the content. And if you'd like to contribute and buy the price of a beer once a month, you can do it over on patreon.com forward slash Anthony underscore Walsh. And I promise you, it always puts a smile on my face. Uh, Something else that's putting a smile on my face is the upcoming Vuelta, because it's such a crazy, exciting race. We don't have any of the organization we don't have any of the professionalism i want to say of the tour de france it's just a total free-for-all we have these crazy climbs that are you know sometimes more suitable for mountain bike races or hill walking insane percentages we have soaring temperatures we've passionate fans it's such a cycling festival for three weeks it's obviously the last grand tour of the season something i'm really excited about is the return of the team time trial the ttt because this is the first time we've seen one in a grand tour post pandemic my prediction for it is a jumbo visma win as long as they can avoid if we remember that 2019 vuelta team time trial crash from jumbo visma where basically the whole team went down if they can avoid that i think they're going to be very difficult to beat they've brought some tt specialists like a feeny ron dennis has recovered from his mystery illness the commonwealth games if you weren't following that drama He won the time trial at the Commonwealth Games, but then got a mystery stomach bug that's still yet to be diagnosed for the road race and didn't get to start it. And obviously they have Primoz Roglic. So they have so much TT-specific firepower that it's difficult to see anyone going faster over 23.3 kilometers than what has been the standout team this year. Standout for discipline, talent, etiquette, well-drilled. Jumbo Visma is my prediction for that. I'm also, just before I dive in, the podcast is about the favourites for the Vuelta, but I just wanted to give these musings I have. Uh, I want to just tip my cap and pay a little homage to two great riders who we're going to see at their last ever Grand Tour. And they've been defining riders for my generation, anyone who's watched cycling for the last decade plus, Alejandro Valverde and Vincenzo Nibali. And like them or load them because both of them have sailed quite close to the wind and across the line at times with anti-doping infractions. You know, maybe you want to put that as a character blot or maybe you can chalk it down to victim of circumstances and sign of the times. Regardless, they've been two of the great champions and two of the great animators in cycling and it feels like a changing of the guard. 
they're not rolling into retirement. This is not a retirement, you know, final lap down the Champs-Élysées for these two riders. These two great champions still have a lot to offer. I can see them up there contending for stages and possibly nebly pushing top five on the general classification. I'm going to be rooting for them. I'm going to be rooting so hard for them. Never been the hugest. Like, they've always been there on my margins, but I've never been the absolute, you know, advocate or cheerleader for either of these as my number one riders. But I think for this year's Vuelta, they will be the horses I'm backing and definitely cheering from the grandstand. We have a spoil, spoiling of sprinters in, uh, in the Vuelta España start line as well. And uh, for bias reasons, I'd love to see Sam Bennett recapturing yesterday. I think he was fifth in the European Road Race Championships. Tim Malia on the podium. And interestingly, the Belgian Tim Malia has won a stage in every Grand Tour that he has started. I don't know if many have that record. So we're going to see some of the fast guys going head to head. But that's not what I want to talk about. This podcast is about GC favourites. And that's where I want to spend my time today. Primoz Roglic, can we start anywhere else? I don't think so. Roglic is the winner of the past three editions of the Vuelta a España, and now he has a chance to tie the record with Roberto Harras for four titles, as well as becoming the first rider since Miguel Indurain to win four Grand Tours on the trot. He has a date with destiny, but he has an exclamation mark beside his name. Anyone who's listening to the podcast or anyone who followed the Tour de France will see on that ill-fated day on Cobbles. It was a hay bale that brought Roglic down. He popped his shoulder out. He had to take a chair from a spectator, pop his shoulder back in, and mark it a warrior that he is. He rode on, and I was a little bit critical of him at the time because with Jonas Vindegaard, his teammate in the yellow jersey, Roglic had recovered sufficiently that he was doing a job for the team, and then he pulled out. And I had assumed it was Roglic pulling out because we'd seen that last year in their YouTube documentary they created where Roglic asked to go home. It wasn't the case. It wasn't the case at all. He wanted a ride on and his team insisted he go home because he was digging himself into such a hole in service of his teammate and friend Jonas Vindegaard. Will we see Roglic back at his top form? I'm going to ask the question and I'm going to answer the question because I just can't see him being on top form. I know from reports and social media outlets that he has suffered for quite a while post Tour de France and he's only got back to full training in recent weeks. Now, that's not to say if he can nurse himself around the first week of the Vuelta that he can't ride himself into form. It's a three-week race. So maybe he rides himself into form. And honestly, he's still my bet for winning this year's Vuelta a España. Other than that, what are we looking at? We're looking at Remco Evenpoel. Now, Remco is, we all know, such a special talent. If he was to win this year's Vuelta a España, bearing in mind he's never shown any sign that he can win a three-week Grand Tour. But if he was to do so, and he's so much hyped, that he will be the first Belgian winner of the Vuelta a España since Freddie Martin back in 1977, and he absolutely dominated that. But he'd also be the first winner in this quick-step project that we've seen, uh, spearheaded by Patrick Lefebvre. And the best result they had was Heinrich Maas coming second in the Vuelta. can't recall the year. Hasn't been a successful GC team. They've dominated the classics, but never, you know, they just have never had the rider to win GC. Remco maybe is that rider. He comes with high, high hopes that he's the next Eddie Merckx. He's seemingly on this crazy upward trajectory. He had San Sebastian, which I covered on the podcast, and he just rolled off like he was on a big training ride, rolled away from Yates. But he's bookended that with a training camp before it and a training camp after it. 
He's only 22 years old. He's ridden one Grand Tour and he didn't finish. Logic would say to you, he's not going to get through three weeks. He's petulant, he's arrogant, but he's a personality and he's a talent and he's exactly what we need from cycling. And if you've watched that meteoric rise since he's been a junior, he has been touted as that next Eddie Merckx and one of the stars of our sport and he's lived up to that billing. I'm really, really interested to see. And Julian Alaphilippe is obviously back for quick step as well, which just makes it massively entertaining. I personally don't think Remco can go three weeks. I think he wastes too much energy. I think he's all those, you know, expletives I just issued, petulant, impatient, childish. I don't know if that necessarily leads to a good Grand Tour winner. But the game is changing and we've seen that it's not the clinical Team Sky, Bradley Wiggins delivered efforts that are winning races anymore. Pogaccia is changing the game. Uh, Jonas Vindegaard's changing the game. It's a different era. So maybe, you know, it, given the new context that we find ourselves in, Remco can hold on for the three weeks. I just don't see it. I think Primoz Roglic is our stamped on favourite. Simon Yates was the closest to holding on to Remco at the Classica San Sebastian. He came undone. I think he ended up finishing fifth on the day, but he did hold on for a long, long time. He's a previous winner of the Vuelta a España. He won the TT in the Giro d'Italia, which has traditionally been a weakness of his. Word around the campfire is he was working with a one Marco Panotti on his TT prior to that, and it seems to have paid dividends. For me, he's a little bit delicate. He had a knee injury in the Giro d'Italia, and that forced him out. And that's kind of characterised Yates' career for me. There's always something wrong with him. That, and I can't tell the difference between Simon and Adam Yates. So it's Simon. It's the bike exchange rider. Uh, we have Yo Almeida. Again, another one of those guys who... You know, oh, the almost man. The, he's finished fifth at the UAE Tour this year. He was eighth in Paris-Nice. He was third in Vuelta Catalonia. He's the Portuguese road race champion. So he has had a good build-up to this. To be fair to the lad, he looked good in this year at Italia, but he got brought down by COVID. Maybe a top five contender. You'll see him animating the front of the race, but I'm not too sure. I think the big challenge to Primoz Roglic is going to come from Jay Hindley. He's the Giro d'Italia winner. We've seen him having that amazing battle with Carapaz in the Giro d'Italia, only for Carapaz to come in unhinged. Apparently, he isn't coming into this in the same form, but he's also coming into this with a swagger, which he didn't have pre-Giro. He is the Giro d'Italia champion. I think we'll see him riding into the race, and he's one of my favourites. And then Carapaz, where do I start with Carapaz? He looked good in the Giro, but came apart. But for me, Ineos, they're a team struggling. They're a team going in with Sivakov and Carapaz as their two leaders. It just doesn't shout favourites. It just doesn't shout, you know, the dominance of Chris Froome, of Bradley Wiggins. It's a broken team at the moment. They need to get into the transfer market and make some signings because they are not competing at the highest levels between with Pogaccia and Jumbo Visma. It's not Team Sky. They've struggled to manage that evolution across. They have the highest wage bill in the entire peloton and they're not challenging for these big races. You know, if this was football, we'd be calling for the head of the manager. You know, it's not, we don't have that culture in cycling, but stuff has to change inside in Team Ineos, in my opinion. It's going to be a fascinating three weeks of racing and I'm going to dip, I'm not going to go daily on the podcast for it, but I am going to dip in and out with two or three Vuelta a España podcast updates per week super excited for it and super excited to be back for another week so roadman ride safe look after yourselves and i'm going to chat to you again tomorrow thank you for tuning in to today's episode this podcast really wouldn't be possible without our amazing listeners who have contributed to the running of this podcast since its inception over on patreon so thank you for everybody that has subscribed over there 
you make this podcast possible. If you haven't subscribed yet, it takes about 60 seconds and it really keeps this show on the road. So you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash Anthony underscore Walsh. Buy me the price of a pint of beer once per month. It's not a lot to ask if you're getting value from the show. This works out at less than 25 cents per episode. So go to patreon.com forward slash Anthony underscore Walsh. And as always, on anything I mention on the show, the link is in the show notes.